Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Back by popular demand, we have on the bet 1520, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada, Edward F. Cox, former chairman of the New York State Republican Committee and son-in-law of President Richard M. Nixon and First Lady Pat Nixon and brother-in-law of Julie Nixon. To tell you a little bit about this uh, distinguished uh, Republican leader, he was born to Howard Ellis Cox and Ann Crane Delafield Finch Cox in Stony Brook, Southampton Hospital in Southampton, New York. He attended West Hampton Beach Elementary School and Allen Stevenson School in New York City. He's named for his grandfather, Judge Edward R. Finch, a prominent New York jurist who served as a justice of the New York State Supreme Court from 1915 to 1943 presiding justice of the New York State Supreme Court Appellate Division, first department and associate judge on the New York Court of Appeals. His father, Howard Ellis Cox, was a decorated World War II aviator, New York lawyer, and Long Island real estate developer. Ed Cox is known to be a man of great distinction and class and was a tremendous New York State Republican chair from 2009 to 2019. He's one of the leaders with former Congressman Faso on the redistricting appeal. And yesterday, as of this taping, a judge ordered New York Democrat-controlled legislature to redraw the state's congressional and legislative districts. What's the significance of this, Ed Cox? The significance of the judge's decision is huge. It recognizes judicially Uh, the fact that the legislature ran over our state constitution and its provisions with respect to redistricting, ran over it completely in order to assure their supermajorities in both houses of the legislature for the next decade. The problem with that is it gives a veto-proof legislature, which can run over any veto of the governor and eviscerates the powers of the governor completely, especially with respect to the budget. And our Constitution was designed to have the governor being the grown-up in the room. The legislatures always want more money. Let's spend more money. And the governor has to wield its, his or her veto in order to make sure that we uh, remain fiscally solvent. At the moment, and we've just run over our budget de- deadline. It's now April one. Uh, and because the governor doesn't have that that veto power, the legislature has taken it away from the governor, and they want to make sure they keep their supermajorities for the next decade. This court, this lower state court, the trial court, has decided, uh, uh, and it's been judicially recognized, what everyone else in the political area recognizes, that the uh, legislature has done huge 
gerrymanders, partisan gerrymanders here in order to keep themselves and their incumbents in power for the next 10 years. Now, we're talking about the constitutionality of this. Uh, I believe there was a state referendum saying that this had to be done uh, fairly and honestly, and uh, apparently it wasn't done that way. How is this unconstitutional, Ed Cox? It's unconstitutional in that the legislature did everything they could to undermine the Independent Redistricting Commission, which was supposed to provide the maps to the legislature that the legislature had to choose from. And instead of that, they subverted, first of all, they refused to fund the Independent Redistricting Commission, tried to subvert it that way. The Empire Center here, with some help from our group, filed a lawsuit that forced them the legislature to fund the independent redistricting commission and then when it was making on a bipartisan basis some good progress the legislature came in at the last moment told their appointees okay subvert the whole process let's get rid of the of the of the commission so that we the legislature can have the power to exercise our supermajorities and redistrict the state the way we wanted to do it including for the congressional districts to give the uh, the Democrats in the House five extra seats just by the redistricting process. And that's what they did. And uh, everyone in the state knows it <laughs> who was involved in the political process. And now it's been judicially recognized what what the uh, what the supermajorities in the legislature have done by the by the judge in Sudan County. Okay, let's talk about the delays. Um, there has been discussion that the current district maps could stand for this year's election as the petitions have already been processed. There's talking about a special election in 2023 or go back to the old lines for 2024. What's the path on this right now, Ed Cox? Please. The trial judge has basically said to the legislature, "Go and go. You've got 11 days to negotiate uh, uh, and get a bipartisan agreement, Republicans, Democrats, in both houses, on fair maps. Uh, and if you don't do that by April 11th, the judge uh, it will appoint a special master to draw the maps." Uh, that is something the Democrats would not want. Those would be fair maps. They don't want that. So I think there's going to be some furious negotiations going on in order to get the Republican minorities to agree to maps, and hopefully we will have those uh, by, by uh, one way or the other. We will have fair maps by mid-April. And in order to – what would then happen is probably – the primary would be put off from June 28th to a later date. It can go as late as August 23 in order to, that's about the latest uh, that it can be put off. But that gives enough. That gives at least eight weeks more that could be used for new petitioning for the new, new districts and the election would go ahead for both, for both of the houses and for, the, uh, for Congress. Uh, on the new fair districts, uh, and there's plenty of time to get it done by August, by August, an August 23 primary. 
another problem at Cox is that this then has to go back to the state legislature, and you have super majorities in the Assembly and Senate, and you have a Democratic governor. So let's say you win with the Court of Appeals. Does the, doesn't this have to be approved by the state legislature also? No, it does not at that point. In fact, our present congressional seats, and one of the reasons why we had as many as nine, the Republicans had as many as nine seats, we now have eight seats, uh, is because those, a, a special master of federal courts in 2012 drew those congressional districts. And they didn't have to be approved by the legislature. A court can, in fact, if the legislature fails, a court can then draw the districts. So everything is basically up in the air right now, right, Ed? Uh, it is, but there has been judicially recognized uh, by the trial court uh, what the rest of political New York knows, and that, and, and that is that the legislature has run over the Constitution and it's power, 10-year power grab here. Sounds pretty disgusting to me. Uh, it sure is. You know, when, when they're told to do things in a bipartisan, inclusive manner, and then they just shove things uh, down people's throats. And, well, uh, it's even worse, even worse. It gives them complete power in Albany. And you know the saying, and it certainly has proved itself in New York, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. New York would be in for... A very bad time going forward. Just as New York is recovering from COVID, uh, trying to get business going here again, particularly small businesses, uh, more taxes, more regulations, which a democratically controlled legislature, uh, uh, unconstrained by a governor, uh, would tend to do. And most people in the Buffalo area, we tape this show in blankets, all of New York State and 16 other states. Uh, they find it so vulgar that where Congressman Higgins can go a half an hour to get anywhere in his district, Congressman Jacobs has to, will in the new district, will have to go from Clarence all the way to uh, Watertown. And and Congresswoman Tenney will have to go from the Pennsylvania state line to Binghamton. So they'll have four hours to cover their district where Democratic Congressman Brian Higgins can have a half an hour. (laughs) Just as an aside, when Claudia Tenney was in the assembly, they drew her a special district that went from uh, from the Canadian border down to Rockland County, and she had to go back and forth on that district. And as you see, everyone in upstate New York well knows, there's no road going directly from Rockland County to the Canadian border. Yeah, just ridiculous. There is also an assembly candidate, a Republican, and they changed the assembly district so that on the side of the street he lives, he is no longer in that district, so now he's going to have to move a block to be in his district. I mean, I mean, you can't make this, this stuff up. Uh, we're learning a great deal from uh, the well-regarded uh, former state Republican chairman Edward F. Cox, a man of great distinction and respect, our guest on the Rusk Report on the Bet 1520, a little plug here. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal 
is available in many Tops and Wegmans stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454. You have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And I'd like to add that the father-in-law of Ed Cox was loved by the Polish people because he was a very strong anti-communist. And the Pulaski Association was honored years ago to have uh, former Chairman Ed Cox and his son, Christopher Nixon Cox, to lead the Pulaski Day Parade on a few occasions. I'd like to thank those who have called regarding our recent guest, restaurateur David Schutte, Allison Pataki about her new best-selling uh, book, and William Doyle, who wrote the book on Orrin Hatch. Coming up, a friend of Ed Cox, John K. Castle, will be with us. Ambassador Eric Javits and the leaders of the Barrett-Jackson Auto Show in the Palm Beaches in Florida will be on this program. A little bit more information about Edward F. Cox. He graduated from Princeton University, Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs in 68, Harvard Law School 72, was a battalion commander of his Army ROTC unit at Princeton where he put together and accredited a seminar on war. He completed officer and airborne training at Fort Benning, Georgia, and subsequently served as a reserve officer with the 11th Special Forces Group. Uh, everybody can remember that beautiful wedding in the Rose Garden um, with his wife, Patricia Nixon, in uh, 71. Let's uh, uh, talk uh, now switching topics, and I'd like to talk about this obscene, vulgar, gross war in the Ukraine. Um, it seems that um, Putin wants to bring back the old Soviet Union and enlarge his country uh, tremendously. And uh, you, you have said that you are deeply moved by the courage and conviction of the Ukrainians. Tell us how you feel about the Ukrainians and um, uh, President Volensky. Well, it's like the Polish community. The Poles have fought for their freedom for years against invaders. And uh, that's why they're welcoming refugees from the Ukraine. The Ukraine, uh, the Ukrainians, uh, Putin thought he would just walk in and take over, take over Ukraine. Well, the, the Ukrainians had another idea. I had several in my special forces unit, several Ukrainians. And let me tell you, they were tough. Uh, they knew how to fight. And uh, they, they were ready to fight back then, what we call the Soviets. Uh, if they had to. And uh, here the Ukrainians are fighting for their freedom uh, as an independent, sovereign nation, and they are fighting well and at the moment are beating back the, 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 the Russians. The Russians are very embarrassed by this. Putin is very embarrassed by this. And his con conscripts don't know why they're there. They thought they, they didn't even know that they were going to invade Ukraine until the last until the last minute uh so the the uh we need on our side america needs to give the ukrainians everything they need in order to defend themselves they have the will to win the russian forces do not we just have to give them the tools so they can do the job wonderful um let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about those mig jets uh, what i am puzzled about I believe these MiG jets in Poland are Polish government property. Why is Biden getting in the way 
when the Ukrainians know what they need, the Poles want to give these MiG jets so they can wipe out hundreds of tanks in hours. Why is Biden getting in the way for something that he has nothing to do with? These are Polish government property, not USA property. Biden has been getting aid, military and other aid, going to the Ukrainians, but it's too little, too late right from the start. And the reason for that is he is shy. He does not want to offend Putin in a way that Putin might do this or might do that. Well, Putin, right from the start, knows what he's going to do. He's going to go ahead and do it regardless. That's the way he is. He's going to lie about what he's going to do, and then he's going to go ahead and do it. At the moment, his strategy is to destroy the will of the Ukrainians by destroying their city by bombardment. The, 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 he does not rule the skies completely, though, because the Ukrainians, trained by our military ever since his takeover of Crimea and the Donbass, part of the Donbass region, in 2014, we have been there. Our special forces have been there. Our top guns have been there training their military. Their the Ukrainian planes are shooting down the Russian planes. Of course, they're still overwhelmed by the Russians, but still the Russians do not control the skies completely. We need to give them more, more MiGs, which, which they know how to use. Uh, and the Polish army has MiGs. Uh, because they obviously were part of the Warsaw Pact. And the Ukrainians, because they were part of it, too, they know how to use those MiGs. They just need them so they can continue to prevent the Russians from controlling the skies and destroying Ukrainian cities. Now, you're the son-in-law of President Nixon. You traveled all over the world with him. Let's uh, play a little... um a game here, a little guessing game. If President Nixon was president today, would he give the MiG jets to the Ukrainian fighters? He would do what he did to defend Israel. Uh, the uh, the K- uh, Kissinger heading the State Department, Schlesinger heading the Foreign Defense, oh, had Hammond and Hall, we can't do this, we can't do that. Uh, and he said, I don't care. We need to make sure that Israel does not go down the tubes. Anything that flies, get it over there. Uh, that is what needs to be done here by President Biden. I'm not sure he is capable of doing that. We're learning a great deal from the former chairman of the New York State Republican Party, Edward F. Cox, a very uh, gifted statesman and diplomat on the Rusk Report. If you're listening in Buffalo, Montreal, Washington, D.C., to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power, drop us a note. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. Please write to Brian Rusk, the Rusk Report. The Bet 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. We always greet cards and letters from our Canadian and European uh, listeners. A little bit more about Ed Cox in 71. He married Tricia Nixon, the daughter of President Richard Nixon, in a White House Rose Garden ceremony. The wedding was described in Life magazine as a union akin to American royalty. Uh, Edward and Tricia have a son, Christopher Nixon Cox, who has been on this program before. 
They reside on Long Island, New York. Our guest today, a gifted Republican leader, Edward F. Cox on the Rust Report on the bet of 1520. Let's talk about uh, a friend of ours. Brian, Brian, yes. let, Brian, let me follow up just a little bit on yes. your last question. Please. What would Richard Nixon yeah. do here? Please. I mentioned tactically what he did to save Israel in the Yom Kippur War. Mm-hmm. Biden should do the same here. But in a broader sense, every time that Russia has been embarrassed in a war, whether it's the Crimean War 150 years ago, or whether it was the Japo-Russo War, which the Russians basically lost, or whether it was World War I, or whether it was the Afghan invasion where they were forced out of it. Every time there has been a change in the government of Russia. And if the Ukrainians prevail here and embarrass Putin, there will be a change in government. And uh, the alliance between China and Russia, which is basically dictators supporting each other. Russia could, with a change in government there, could come to the West. It does not naturally belong as a junior partner to the Chinese, either culturally or from a strategic point of view. So Richard Nixon will be thinking about this and helping the Ukrainians to the hilt in order to make that change possible so that Russia, rather than being a junior partner to China that is 10 times its population, 20 times its economy, and coveting the far east of Russia, and Russia certainly in the 19th century took part of what's now their far east away from the Chinese, and the Chinese have not forgotten that. They could be allied with the West against China as the biggest country in many different ways uh, allied with the West against China. And that would be very important to contain the growing strength of China and prevent them from doing things such as going after Taiwan, etc. Very important. Now, a, f- a dear friend of yours and mine, the late General Alexander Haig, former Secretary of State, he has been on this program a dozen times, and he, when I asked him years ago about uh, Vladimir Putin, he said, when I look at his face, and he met him a few times, he said, I see three big letters on his forehead, KGB, basically referring to him as a thug and a murderer and a thief. Uh, it's rumored that he's the wealthiest man in the world, uh, Putin, uh, very corrupt. Uh, let's talk about General Haig's assessment. What do you think about Putin? Well, his assessment was right on. You remember one of the, when he was Secretary of State, one of the major reasons why he resigned was in protest over the building of pipelines to bring gas from uh, the uh, Soviet Union, then Soviet Union, to Western Europe. He he was was afraid that that would give uh, the Soviets, now the Russians, control over Western Europe because of he's supplying a lot of their energy. Well, guess what? That is exactly what yep. the issue has been. Now, that, that's been overcome because of the brutality of Putin, et cetera. The Germans have had to say, okay, we're going to try and decrease. We're not going to use the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. We're going to try and decrease our purchases uh, of energy from Russia. 
The problem is they are still buying it. They have to because they need it. So Haig was right. Haig was right back then. He was a very far-seeing uh, because he worked with President Nixon. He understood these bigger factors, and he certainly was right back then. And he was President Nixon's chief of staff, right? He was. He, he was his chief of staff, and before that, he was national security advisor. Now, President Biden walked back his comment about the regime change, and you talked about a regime change. Why would he walk that back? Why didn't he say, this man has to go? Why did he walk it back? Yeah, there's no reason why he should have. He should have stuck with that and saying that this man is a thug. Uh, he is, in fact, working against the interests of Russia, uh, uh, simply to keep himself in power. Uh, and uh, given that he should just, <laughs> there's no reason why he should have walked that back. But again, it is, oh, I don't want to offend. I don't want to offend Russia. Who knows what they might know? Who knows what he's going to do? He's going to do it regardless. And we have to make sure he doesn't do it by really supplying the Ukrainians with what they need to do the job. Now, Ronald Reagan said at the Berlin Wall, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, and he stood by it. That's why I don't understand why Biden didn't have the guts to stick with his statement. Uh, he certainly should have. Okay, uh, let's talk about Iran. Uh, we have about three minutes left on the Rusk Report. Why would you want to give nuclear arms to a country that says death to America? I don't understand why you'd want to give them nuclear arms. Well, they're determined to have nuclear arms regardless. The question is, why should we give them billions of dollars, as Obama did when he entered into that nuclear agreement with Iran? And uh, when Biden, he is fully intended to enter into that nuclear agreement again with Iran. And in the process, he is going to remove part of the sanctions uh, that on Russia, uh, that's going to be part of the deal. So, And Russia, in fact, is the intermediary who's negotiating this deal for the United States with Iran. And look what Putin's doing in Ukraine. It is ridiculous and against the security interests of the United States and our allies in the Mideast to give billions of dollars to Iran so they can continue their crescent of terror going from Hezbollah all the way uh, to the, the Houthis in uh, the south of the Arabian Peninsula. Uh, they, they are terrorists, and they will continue as terrorists. And part of the deal, of course, is that their major military, the uh, the Revolutionary Guards, would not be uh, deemed terrorists any longer. I'm sorry, uh, we we're have giving to, up a lot for that. Deal. Yeah, I'm sorry we have to bring the Rusk report to a close. We have been talking to a great statesman and diplomat, former chair of the New York State Republican Committee, Edward F. Cox. Again, any thoughts or comments? Please write to Brian Rusk at the Bet Fifteen Twenty. 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. Again, thank you for enlightening us once again on New York State politics and international affairs, the Honorable Edward F. Cox. Have a great week. 
You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.